there and welcome to another episode of Designer Under Influence. This is going to be a third episode in the series of cybersecurity training for employees and all of us who are using computers, internet, phones to do our business and manage our day-to-day life. My partner in crime and co-host is um, founder of ArcIT. His name is Boris Rapport. Boris, say hi. Hey, everyone. Good morning, if you're watching us in the morning, because <laughs> we're recording in the morning. Uh, yeah, as Alex said, today is episode number three, and it's very, very interesting episode, so stay tuned. Yeah, well, so we'll let the audience be the judge of that, but I tell you what, the, we talk, going to talk about using mobile phones, and a lot of us think that, hey, you know, a mobile phone you know, what could possibly go wrong, right? Um, you know, it's been pretty secure up to now. And and I think, you know, um, we pay less attention to our intentions um, when it comes to mobile phone. We just kind of click around. It's all fast. It's, it, it's moving super fast. But there are real threats out there. In fact, right before this uh, recording, Boris and I were just having a conversation and he was telling me a fascinating story that just happened to him and his family And this is something that we thought was, wow, that's, it's worth, it's worth telling you the story in a raw format. So basically we had a Microsoft Teams meeting and we just had the recording going and he sort of told me the story and we had this uh, um, conversation. I think this is very important. This is the story around how even uh, something basic like looking for and calling eBay support service can lead into you losing access and potentially exposing all of your bank accounts, all of your financial information to the crooks. So let's get right in this story. And then we'll come out on the other end and walk you through some of the best practices. I had an eBay account that got hacked. And, um, you know, these guys sold some merchandise. eBay really cracked down on them. They told us our account was hacked. And, um, you know, there were some bad activities. So basically, they... You know, they got these guys, we changed the passwords, everything seems to be okay. So then eBay started sending us bills because we sold merchandise, so we owe them fees. So in any case, so they sent us these bills about fees, right? And it's like 20 bucks. Uh, and, you know, I, I wanted to take care of this. It just was always kind of in the background, right? And not really a priority. It's 20 bucks and I don't even use that eBay account anymore. We just buy stuff from eBay once every, I don't know, a couple of years, like we buy perfume probably. So finally, you know, they sent us that the account is suspended and we're going to start charging you 1.5% interest, blah, 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 uh, collections. So I'm like, okay, Susha, can you just take care of this? Let's try to find the eBay uh, support number and give them a call, right? And see if we can figure this out. So, well, first thing is there's no eBay support number. Like if you're looking for support, like it's either chat or online and there is no phone number anywhere to be found. So what my wife does, she, you know, she goes on her phone and she types into Google eBay phone support and she gets a link that seems to have a phone number. Obviously it's the first one that shows up. She clicks on it and it looks on the phone, it looks great, you know, oh, eBay yeah. and support number and so on. So she calls the number and she explains the situation. Now, I, I wasn't privy to conversation, so this is kind of what I'm deciphering from her story, right? 
she calls the number and the guy's like, oh yeah, yeah, we can definitely help you. And he's, you know, it's speaking with an accent. So it's, it sounds like it's somewhere, India, Pakistan, whatever, that region. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we can help you. And he gets her to install remote control software on her phone as part of the process. Yeah, I need to look at your screen, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, can I do this on my laptop? And he's like, no, no, on the phone is better. And then he goes to show her, like there's a, there's this website and I'll have to get the name because it's in my Google search. But there's this website where it simulates a hacking attack on Pentagon, right? It's just a simulation, right? It's just a cartoon. It's kind of taken from that movie back in the day where, remember, the guy threw a modem at that Pentagon? I, I forget what it's called, but Matthew Broderick uh, was the, the main guy. So it basically uses that as, as kind of, you know, similar things. So it's like old text, green text, like the matrix style text. And you click on the folders and it shows you like, oh, you've been attacked. So he goes and he shows her that. And he's like, your phone is under attack. So, you know, you basically need to log into your accounts uh, so we can clean some stuff up. And he gets her to log in to her Chase account. Now, the only problem is, thank God, you know, there's a 2FA and I get the code on my phone. So she comes to me and she's like, uh, can I get the code from your phone? Wow. And I'm like, what do you need it for? And he's like, well, the eBay guys say we need to connect our account, the right account to eBay, because they had some Wells Fargo account on there that doesn't work anymore, blah, blah. Like, I mean, beautiful job of selling the story to my wife. Um, and I'm like, okay, hold on. Why do they need this? We just need to clean stuff up. And she's like, well, here, talk to them. And I'm talking to him. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a virus on your wife's phone. Oh, he, he walks me through this too. I'm like some weird cartoon. I'm like, how does this, what does this have to do with eBay? He's like, well, we're going to clean this up, but we need to make sure that you can log into your account. And we're trying to log in and she's still trying to log in. But since the code is coming to my phone and she's not typing it correctly or something, it doesn't work. And he's like, well, can you install? And I didn't know that she installed the remote software on, right? And he's like, can you install this software on your phone so that we can get this account set up? I'm like, Okay, hold on. What? You want me to install remote control on my phone? No. And I and then I basically hang up on her phone and I uninstall the software. And then you know we backed up her phone and I'm gonna. It was backing up all night last night because all the pictures and all the videos. And for some reason, the backup didn't run. And I'm gonna reset, factory reset her phone today. But basically, and we'd never locked in. But I changed my change. Ch you know, Chase password, my Wells Fargo password, all the bank account passwords and Amazon password, like, you know, all this, all the kind of tools that she uses. Yeah. But basically that's the end of the story. I hang up, I installed the software and it was a scam. So then I went, I'm like, what did you do? How did you, how did you even get to this guy? How do you know this is eBay? And she's like, well, I don't know. Like I'm not IT, right? And, you know, she starts giving me this whole thing because she obviously felt scared and frustrated. But she, yeah, she went to a Google search and I'm like, well, this doesn't, and it was a 209 number. I'm like, what kind of customer service number starts with a 209? It has to be an 800 number at least, right? Although they can buy those easily too. But like, why did you decide on to call this? And yeah, like when you go from your phone, it looks all formatted. When I went through on computer, it's like all out of whack and just like uh, crap. But it was a Google ad, right? So Google ad that they oh, buy. Oh, she clicked on Google ad. Yeah. It was a Google ad that they buy, but on the phone, the Google ads don't look as, like, it's not as clear because it's yeah. all compressed, right? But they bought a Google ad as eBay support. So scammers, right, buy Google ads to then redirect you. Wow. So, I mean, 
hell. I mean, I wow. I, I mean, True most story. people Happened can't even tell can't even <laughs> tell the difference between ads and and this and and uh, that's pretty elaborate. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, those are the levels. And you know, her whole excuse is like, "What? Well, I don't deal with this. I'm not IT." And my point is, well, this is now. This is what common sense is, right? It's just like walking down the street and looking left and looking right for traffic. Like you have to pay attention to these things because these cameras are everywhere. And people don't like. I mean, she would have given him the keys to the kingdom, basically. If it wasn't for that, oh yeah, all but, the yeah, all the accounts, yeah. Imagine how many people are actually falling for it. I mean, we got lucky because the code came to my phone. Wow, this was uh, fascinating, unexpected, and it's it's scary. I'll be honest with you, it's it's scary. It just makes me think about how my teams and the different businesses I run operate day to day personal life as well as work life it, using the phone and and how a simple support call can turn into a disaster. Boris, uh, you got to walk us through some best practices on using mobile phones. They're not complicated, but we need to be aware. You said something about crossing the street. Why don't you, can you reuse that analogy for me? Yeah, um, I think we need to be just aware of these things, right? Um, and always have a top of mind. This is the world that we live in now, right? Just like, you know, it's, and I'm not gonna say common sense because common sense is different for everybody, but just, you know, you have certain rules uh, to live by. And one of those rules is, you know, when you cross the street, look both ways to make sure no car is coming. So this should be a similar type of um, kind of response, right? Your mind has to have it built in as a response where you're much more aware of what's going on in you know when you browse on the internet especially using your mobile device so walk us through some of the best practices Let, let's just dive right in yeah so um i think where we need to start and this is this is less to do with browsing but just in general uh, a best practice is make sure that when you're installing apps you're only installing apps on your phone from you know an approved application store right whether it's uh you know your apple app store or it's your google play store in on android and i think right now most of the phones that are sold are actually locked down to only allow uh, app installation from those stores but you know if if you have a phone that's you know more open and you have the ability to install apps just don't install it from the apple stores because that's where they're curated and they're checked to make sure that there's no security issues uh, inside of them. So that would be number one. Um, I think next we need to, again, put it our top of mind where if we're talking to somebody, we're talking to a support person, we, and they're asking us for remote access, right? We want to kind of validate multiple times why they need remote access and make sure that the story actually matches to the reality, right? So if you're just looking to resolve an issue with your account, you know, I don't think the person on the other end of the line should be asking to access your phone uh, or computer for that matter. So that would be number two. Um, let me let, let me dig here for, for just a second, do, sure. do a, a, a slight expansion here. So is there any reason at all, Boris, that a support representative for whatever company, for whatever service you're trying to uh, uh, contact needs a remote access on your phone. 
other cases you can think of where you would allow remote access to your phone from somebody on the other end? So I'm going to say no. Ah. And so there you have it. Don't just don't allow remote access on the other. Now, different story is when you're working with IT company like Arc IT, and you know we are your providers, you know your uh, contact person, you you've talked to them before. You know um, that's a little different story. It, even that, you probably wouldn't uh, you wouldn't need remote access to their phones, would you? Um, most of the time, we would not. No, and we currently uh, don't allow that capability for our support personnel. Um, we only have remote access to computers. And again, that's because we are the trusted provider and we were able to install our software initially on their computer. So don't. I think you're right. Just don't <laughs> allow remote access to your phone unless unless you explicitly know who the person is and what they're doing. Gotcha. All right, let's move on number three. All right, number three. Well, this one, you know, I had to think about it a little bit, but yeah, I'm, don't ever search for support support phone numbers on Google, right? Try to go to the company's website if you're trying to get support from a company and use the channels that are available uh, on their website to initiate your support request. I think that is a very important to understand because Google can have all kinds of various information as we saw in the story and that information might not necessarily would be 100% true. So don't look for support phone numbers on Google. Use the channels that are available to you. As nice of a hack as that seems to be, to be able to shortcut, you know, browsing somebody's come some company's website in order to find support channels, just type it into Google and get to it. That is a dangerous practice. And it, it's turning out to be a dangerous practice. It, it didn't come out to be as such, but it is. And a lot of people taking advantage of that. So you don't want to be take, get taken advantage of. And so to do that, go on company's website. Let's say you call in Chase, go to Chase website and look for their support. If they don't have a phone support, I'm not saying Chase doesn't, but I'm saying if, they, if, if the company you're working with does not have a phone support, then use the channels they have in order to reach out. They're not going to magically create a phone number when you search Google. Sometimes you can... You can flash it out but a lot of times as it's as it's turning out you know you you exposing yourself to some uh, unscrupulous people who pose as such companies so use the intended company's website and use their support channels and look if you hate the fact that they don't have a phone number maybe don't do business with them but you know going and forcing it through google can be uh, a dangerous practice and sorry to say i hate to say that because i love that hack but you you heard what happened. So anyway, let's move on. Number four. All right. So number four is, I mean, this is a common phone best practice. So I want to make sure that everybody is doing it is make sure your phone auto locks and that it requires your biometrics to unlock, right? You're not using a pen. It's much easier to unlock by the way, using a fingerprint or, you know, face recognition may be a little more challenging, but, uh, you know, set up a fingerprint, make sure your phone auto locks after 15 seconds, because if your phone doesn't lock and, you know, you lose your phone, we have, I mean, let's be honest, like our lives are in this yeah. device, right? So we want to protect it as much as possible. So using biometrics and locking your phone always, I think is a must nowadays. Okay. That's um, number four. Number five? Number five. So just in general for protecting 
all of your online accounts. The best practice in the last couple of years, and it's trending that way, and you know we should be on top of it, is basically setting up two-factor authentication. Whether it's something really simple as you know an SMS text code to your phone, which saved us <laughs> in the story, or you know something a little more complex where you're using um, an app like a Google Authenticator or a um, you know Duo Mobile app to generate passcodes, you want to have two-factor authentication set up. I mean, at least on all your critical accounts, but I'm going to go a step further and say on all of your accounts that have to do with online, uh, where you're storing credit card information, uh, you know, Netflix. I mean, I, I don't have it on my, you know, my kids' Xbox Play accounts. I have two-factor authentication set up. Anywhere where there's a credit card stored, where purchases can be made or any other banking information is available, that needs to be locked down with two-factor authentication because the password is just not a secure mechanism anymore. Can you uh, can you give a very quick high level on what two-factor authentication is? And is it do you mean we have to have confirmation codes for every single time we lo- we log in, or there's some sort of like a, a browser memory that play comes in the fact? Like, can you t- talk us through this? Yeah. So good points, Alex. So yeah. So in general, what two-factor authentication is is basically providing you additional, provide an additional method of authenticating you as a person, not only based on your password, so something that you know, right, your password, but also based on something that you have, a token, which most of the time is our mobile phone, right? This thing is always with us, um, so it's. You know, some smart people figured out that it's the best thing to use um, as another authentication mechanism, right? And how can we confirm that, you know, we have this phone? Well, the easiest way is to send an SMS message to this phone number. Now, there's some security issues with that too, because the phone numbers can be cloned. But I mean, the probability of, of it happening is really low. So it's it's a good first step to use as a two-factor authentication. Uh, in addition to that, there's other apps that you can install that I mentioned, Google Authenticator. Uh, Microsoft Authenticator, Duo Mobile, that generate a code on your phone to also prove that this is your phone and this is you uh, logging into the website you're trying to access. So that's how two-factor authentication works in general, right? It proves that you know the password and two, you are you because you have your device. As what you mentioned, secondly, you're correct. Uh, we can set up many companies or many websites allow us to set up what we call a trusted device, right? Where if you log in once from a device and you know, you know, and you know that this is a secure device, right? It's your personal computer. You know, it's another computer in your house that only you or your wife have access to, or it's your work computer that's only used for work, for example, to log in into work accounts. Then you can set the device as a trusted device. And what that means is you'll two-factor authenticate once on it, you check the box, your browser will remember the fact that you know you authenticated already twice and that you're basically agreeing that nobody else is using this device. And it'll remember that for a certain period of time. Usually it's 30 to 60 days where you're not gonna get prompted for a second factor uh, for that application on that device. And then you'll get prompted again because the cookie expires or you know your key expires and you authenticate again twice using your phone and then it'll remember for another 30, 60 days. So yeah, so that's a good way to kind of lessen the friction um, of two-factor authentication. But be, be aware that you only should do that on the devices that 
you have full control over and nobody else is logging in. Gotcha. Very, very good. So number five was pretty deep. I think that's that's a very good advice and it kind of explained some of the less uh, known uh, aspects of two-factor authentic- authentication because you know, if we like right away think about it, like it's every single time you have to get a text message. Well, not really. So on the trusted computer, um, but sometimes like even if when your trusted computer is outside, like we went to Oregon, you know, my, my computer kind of knows that, hey, I, I'm in Oregon now. I'm usually not in Oregon. We're in San Francisco Bay Area. And so it actually popped on me for a lot of my access. It actually wanted me to, uh, to you know, uh, get a text message. So anyway, let's we, we, I think we beat that horse down. Um, number six. So number six, and I did say two-factor authentication is better than passwords, but if for some reason you're, you know, you're not turning on two-factor authentication, make sure you're changing your passwords regularly, or at least, you know, if you notice any hint of suspicious activity, right? It's much easier to change your password, and you know, you can always use a password manager tool to keep your passwords and remember your passwords, and we'll cover that in our next trading. So that's a teaser right there. Make sure that you're changing your passwords at the smallest sign of something that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a mess. Right? What's the best practice, Boris, for changing passwords, like uh, holistically, like going through your password manager, going through all of the accounts and sort of just like I'm changing passwords. Um, is it quarterly, monthly? Sounds like a little bit of a challenge to do monthly, but what, what is your advice? Yeah. Monthly is going to be a challenge. And so I'm I'm going to base it on what we're doing for businesses, right? So we are asking or we're suggesting or we are uh, recommending that all of our clients change their passwords between 90 and 180 days, right? So it's either two or three or four times a year that all of our clients change their passwords for all the internal accounts, right? So your login to your computers get changed. Um, and also many of the external accounts. For your personal, I would suggest at least twice a year mm-hmm. should be something that you do. And again, any sign of any suspicious activity, any hint of an email that comes in and says, hey, you know, somebody tried to gain access to your account, um, something like that, you want to change not just that password, but also all your other critical passwords uh, just to make sure that they didn't get access to anything else. Um, all so, right. Yeah. So that's very good. Number six, do we have a seven? Yeah, and last one, again, given the fact that most of our life is on these devices and also given the fact that, you know, this is, we're probably using this device more than anything else, but we also think that it's the most secure. Uh, we want to have an antivirus software on this device, just like we do on our computers, right? Even though we don't think that there are viruses that can be set up for mobile, there are. And there's more and more of them coming out every day because people have figured out that this is now the not only the least difficult way to get into your life, right? But also it stores the most information about your life. So we'll see a lot more, we'll see a lot more attacks on mobile in the next couple of years. So at least, you know, to protect yourself, let's start with the things that I've mentioned, but also think about purchasing a antivirus software for your device and usually your provider whether it's verizon or at&t have some some sort of service that they've already contracted with and like for a couple bucks a month you can have that software to help you protect your phone very very good so i think this concludes this particular episode i mean we'll probably add more and more over over time as new threats come out but uh, i think if you follow best practices you'll be in much better shape 
and more protected than you were before watching this video. So we hope we brought you some value. Arc IT is an IT company that focuses on helping engineering design and architecture firms. Thank you very much for reminding me, Boris, um, and architecture firms. And, and look, if you are not working with us yet, we'd love a chance to earn your business. Go to getarchit.com. Don't search Google. Go get archit.com and, uh, and just uh, uh, click on contact us. Next upcoming, we have employee training, uh, Teams training on uh, password management. So stay tuned for that. Until then, have a great day and thank you for watching. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.